Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And welcome to this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold. Well, I say this week that this episode of Glory Days of Gold, because this will be the third one that we've put out this week, and we'll thank um, Michael McCall, who has been doing all the editing in, in the background and, and what's had to be a quick turnaround for him. But yep, yeah, you're, you're Scottish football at the Euros podcast, and well, yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be the last one as well. So it's happened again, glorious failure once more. And a must-need win in a third game at an international tournament. Scotland have shit the bed, and here we are. So I'm joined by the usual. Um, I'm not going to say the gruesome to some because I've, I've given you guys that um, nickname for a few weeks now. So I'm going to go for the ugly sisters. <laughs> Evening to you, Gordon. Oh, thanks for that. Evening. And the more gruesome, Doug Penny. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um summary of my face that's fine gay hello everyone so look but i think we're all and I, I know i'll even sound this to our listeners today i'm still absolutely gutted i've avoided talking about this all day today um even to people at work and like if they ask me about it i just changed the subject because i just kind of personally felt that there was going to be rants coming um, and i've saved them all for tonight so gordon is in as few words as Possible? Can you can you sum up yesterday for us? Um, oh, it just leaves you with that kind of empty feeling. I thought we were. I thought at the, you know, at half time we'd kind of come back in. It would got that goal, kind of reignited the hope a little bit. But I think second half, you know, we were we were never in it, um, and it was just kind of very flat way to go out. What about yourself, Doug? Um, yeah, pretty hard not to really argue with that. Um, I thought, you know, as I said in the last pod, we got our meaningful goal, which was a really sweet moment. I don't know. I'm sure it was uh, celebrated wildly across the nation. So, so that was the, the one positive. To be honest, I just thought it was men against boys from almost the first. We had a couple of corners in that first minute or a couple of minutes, and you thought, oh, great. And then they just bossed, and Modric was sensational. Yeah, we're going to come on to Luka Modric later on. There was a few observations that we, we made, and we made in the group chat and stuff, that I just want to, to bring to the conversation. And one of them, for me, was we looked extremely tired. Um, we, we just looked probably a yard off the pace at the most part. And the question I'm going to put to you is, did we suffer in terms of not rotating the squad. Because if you have a look at other teams that are making changes in in positions, and I don't really think that apart from the Gilmore and Jack Hendry change, and then Che Adams coming in, we didn't really change, and obviously Tierney as well, so the more I say this, the more I go on, but I think that you know boys like McGinn, I thought McGinn in the last two games blew a gasket. It was like we kind of kept them in the park for the sake of it. Did, did you guys pick up on that? Is that something that you thought that you seen as well? Or is that just a me thing? I uh, definitely thought that. I, I kept saying the whole second half, I kept saying like McGinn's absolutely blown out his arse. He needs to come off. He, he just didn't didn't look himself at all. At all. As you say, probably in, in both games, really. Um, I think with the rotation... Your better teams have probably rotated heavily, but I guess your weaker nations won't have much because you, you're kind of limited. It's it's such a short cutthroat tournament. You know, you, you've only got three games to sort of produce the goods and 
you're going to risk it on your better players. I mean, you know, we, we all probably would agree that the downfall happened at, in the first game with a strange lineup. But apart from that, I don't, I don't think he, there was too much more he would have done in terms of squad rotation, really. I think he could he could have made subs quicker. Yeah. Um, I think in in the last two games, there's been two or three players that have looked dead on their feet, and you're like, get subs on. We've got five of them. Um, definitely thought that in both games. I, I personally felt that there was a lot of passengers in the game yesterday. Few players with me with pass marks were one of them was Che Adams. I, for somebody that obviously isn't Scottish, right? Let's be honest, he is English. I felt that across the games that he played, he put himself about and he really gave his all. Um, Lyndon Dykes as well, I'm going to give a shout to, fought for everything, he really did. Um, but Stuart Armstrong, in both the games that he started, showed that he was a mile off the pace. And I think that when we brought him in for Billy Gilmore, I just thought that, I mean, Kovacic and, and Modric, just, we were, they were just playing right through the midfield. And I actually made an observation yesterday. I said maybe five minutes before he scored, I was like, I don't think I've heard Callum McGregor's name yet. And the next minute, bang, goal. Um, but our midfield yesterday was essentially non-existent. Um, another player who got a lot of praise after the England game was O'Donnell, who I thought was really poor yesterday. Um, and arguably at fault for the, the first and the third goals. I want to share something with you um, in, uh, a wee bit down the line, and it's, it's a, a lot of the talk yesterday was about the future for us and, and how we see us play, so I'm going to come to you later on and ask you how you think that we should be lining up for the rest of our, well, for our campaign in the World Cup. Um, but I want to talk about your guys' thoughts on on the passengers yesterday and, and the, the tactics and stuff that we played. I mean, Stephen O'Donnell looked yesterday again. Oh, we've actually just had a guest joining us late. You might have noticed an, a notable absentee um, in Mr. Kenny Duker, um, who was meant to join us and he's now here. So we'll, uh, we'll find out why he's late. I just finished with the kids' football. That's fine. We'll forgive you. So um, good evening to you, Kenny. Um, we're currently talking about the players yesterday that we kind of felt were almost passengers in the game and the names that we've come up with so far, um, being Stuart Armstrong. You, you've um, come up with. Well, I've come up with <laughs> Armstrong and O'Donnell. Have you got anything to add to that in terms of how you felt we set up yesterday and, and any players that you felt didn't really have a good game? Um. I mean, I think Armstrong did what he was in there to do. He, he, he his like forward burst and run kind of was the trigger for the goal. So um, I'm not going to be hard on Armstrong. I, I, I think he's a, a good player, forward thinking player. He always wants to make the forward pass, which I like about him. Um, he maybe played a few passes that weren't great, but I, no, I like his mentality. Um, I, I like him as a player in the in the first eleven, so I, I'm I'm not going to complain about Stuart Armstrong. Uh, I thought Stephen O'Donnell got done for the first goal, like he just didn't know where Perisic was. He should have been closer before the cross came in. Uh, gave Perisic too much uh, a run on him, but you know, I think I I want to just get away from complaining about the players. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm proud of the players, the particularly for the England game. Um, I think they were the the preparations were probably uh, not great going into the uh, Croatia game. They did their best. I, I I don't think they got close enough to Modric. I think uh, Modric's partner, the Chelsea player, what's his name called? Uh, Kovacic. Kovacic. I thought he was brilliant and and just allowed uh, Modric to to kind of run the show. Uh, the two of them in there just were too much for us. I thought we got uh, they, they were just moving the ball from side to side, and the three they, because we were three narrow in the middle, we just couldn't cope. We couldn't cope with it. We had two narrow, three narrow. I just we just were set up the wrong way. I felt so. I'm not going to blame the players. I just feel as if we we kind of set up the wrong way to play against that crazy team. We didn't make the changes that were required to kind of counteract the way that we were uh, getting exposed. 
Well, the question I'll put to you then, Kenny, obviously we've got you on here because, let's be honest, you know more about the game than we do and you've played it, um, you know, to the highest level, <laughs> to the highest level in Scotland. So we'll, we'll ask you, if you were the manager yesterday, what would you have done differently? Um, I mean, it's difficult because I feel as if if we had Billy Gilmore, we would have had more of the ball. Like the, One of the, the big differences between... The, the England game and the Croatia game was the was the possession. So I mean, we were we were doing it like twenty nine percent possession against Croatia. I mean, was that because we were too narrow and they could just play around us? Uh, maybe, but you know, we 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 did, and we're putting a lot of hopes on uh, Billy Gilmore, but we, we we really did miss him for being able to uh, keep possession. I mean, the 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 the. Uh, the difference between the two teams was Modric. He controlled the game. He controlled the pace of the game. Uh, controlled the possession. Scotland couldn't be anywhere near him. Do you man mark him? Did the other teams man mark him? You know, stick, just stick somebody on him. Just give that job to Dykes or or, or Adams uh, when they're in possession. Try and uh, you know noise him up a wee bit. We, 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 but we ended up just not doing anything. Uh, we didn't get any possession, and uh, we 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 kind of sat we sat off him, and he just uh, did what he liked basically. I thought he was finished. Um, <laughs> I, I I I think like I I have said that he's overrated, but in the context of I didn't think he was a Ballon d'Or winner, but he's still a top top player in the world. Um, I just felt that he wasn't a Ballon d'Or for me. Um, but you know he he was the difference yesterday. There's no getting away from it. He's a world class player. Um, he, he, he can he can absolutely dominate a game against pretty average players. Absolutely. Like he, I mean he that was like we were watching an absolute superstar yesterday. And I think for, for me, for me, I, I agree with Kenny. Tactically, we got it wrong. I, the Billy Gilmore thing, I, I agree, but there's no way we should suddenly implode because a guy who's played 75 minutes of football for us isn't playing. No. Do you know what I mean? He would have definitely made a difference, but not... I don't know if it would have been that. The, the Armstrong thing, he, he was playing centre midfield. He, did, he doesn't play centre midfield for club. Really. He's always kind of right or left normally, isn't he? But anyway, I, I think the England... I watched the England-Croatia game and basically they let Modric have the ball in his own half. And as soon as he got over the halfway line, someone smothered him instantly. And we were giving him 20 yards of space, 30 yards from goal. I mean, it was, I was screaming at the TV. And, and for me, and all of us, were, at half time, Dykes had to come off and you had to get someone else in midfield. You had to, you had to deal with it. Because I think it was, we'd have had a better chance if we didn't score that goal when we scored it, I think. Because I think they went at the half time went, oh, well. But, I mean, we were getting totally bossed all over the pitch. And you had to change it, and, and he didn't, sadly. So, I but think... The problem is, the problem is that we, we were... It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that we maybe should have taken the forward off, but when we are not in possession playing 5-3-2, we're far too, we're far too narrow in midfield. So, the, the, you shouldn't need the three centre-halves to cover... That area, that's where we were losing the man. So we're basically a man doing for the press because we're playing three at the back and then the two fullbacks are sitting too far back. So you've actually got three men covering where two men should be covering and you're asking three uh, to cover right across a wide pitch mm -hmm. and the two strikers aren't they providing any... They're, they're narrow as well because they're, they're, they're two up. So we were far too narrow and they could just pass it Round us, knacker us out, the three of them moving side to side. But the extra man that we're missing is actually the the guy in the, in defence. Because the, 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 we've ended up with five in defence. So there's three covering an area that two should be able to cover. Yeah. Inga, Inga we just that's, like. That's the issue for me. If it, everything about last night felt like quite naive to me, you know, just. You know, you can look at it as a sort of younger team versus an older team. They've got tournament experience. But everything, when we were defending, exactly like you're saying, letting Modric have too much freedom. And I thought, you know, our tactics seemed to be 
and to be fair, it worked for little bits, but it was get the ball forward fast. Um, you know, work hard, get the ball forward as quick as possible. And you know, that that did we got a goal out of it and we did threaten of it, but it, that feels a naive way to play against a team like Croatia. You know, if you look at the England game, we didn't really didn't play like that. You know, we we try to sort of keep possession a bit, but I don't think we minded if things were a bit slower. Um, we tried to kind of keep our shape a bit, whereas I felt like yesterday was a bit like we let the game get very frantic. Um, and there was times we just we didn't really know what we looked like what we were doing. Um, and I thought that that plays into their hands. They're happy with that. Um, but I think a bit of naivety all round, really. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of points there. I mean, look, I, I said it before we started recording. Modric yesterday could have played with his baffies on and a pipe in his hand. Um, and literally, it still has rolled that game. I, I mean, literally, it was like he had a force field around him. Nobody could get near him. Every pass that he played was perfect. And any time he got on the ball, you could just feel like there was potential for something to happen. I mean, I saw that goal that he scored going in before it even left his foot, before he even got to his foot, I was like, that's a goal because you can't give a player of that quality that much space. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was, I mean, we've seen it in, in the previous games as well. I mean, just before you joined Kenny, we were talking about how tired our team looked. And the subs that we make aren't until it's, it's too late. You know, we bring Nisbet and Patterson on almost just to, you know, past the time. That was a, that was a token gesture. That was a token gesture yeah. to give minutes at the Euros. Like yeah. the game was over. That was they try and get. I, I, I was, I was crying at the screen for for Forrest for O'Donnell for yeah. most of the second half, uh, just to give us something going forward. You know, yeah. try and challenge Perisic to think about going back the way because you know. The mentality for him was he 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 basically had O'Donnell and uh, on toast basically. Uh, but I I mean we 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 didn't make changes when we we uh, we should have. But we we were at, at half time. Would you have taken one each at half time? Hundred percent. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a it was basically came down to a forty five uh, a forty five minute game and. When that when the Modric goal went in, we should have been thinking, right, we were probably a bit lucky to get back in the game at half time. When Modric scored, that's when he needed to make some positive changes. No yeah. hang about and weight. And he hung about and weight. And the players kind of didn't really know what they were doing. There wasn't like any plan. It, it happened right after half time. He should have just made changes then. And you know, because we, we needed something different. But yeah. it, it, it was almost like we were scared to make changes. In the Euros as a whole, we had 41 attempts at goal. 41 attempts and scored one goal. And our goal came from a midfielder. It didn't even come from, from one of our strikers. And, you know, we, we've spoken a bit about that, that the, the, the cutting edge that we lacked. And, and you made a point, Kenny, that I want to come to you again. How many chances did we have, even just last night, that a player should be putting their head in I think Adams had one, McGinn had one, and we've had a few of them over the tournament. Do we lack bravery? Is do you think that's what it is? Is it is it bravery or is it poor decision making on a chance that we should put the head on that we try to go in? I mean, even McGinn McGinn yesterday, there's a for a, a player with the class that he has to to not even put his laces through some of the the shots and he's trying to you know almost pass them in. Is, is it confidence? Is it bravery? What is it? Killer instinct? I, I'm not sure I would criticise him for the one he tried to side foot. I think uh, I think that was hard for him to adjust his feet the way that it, it came to him. He just didn't get the connection on it that he was looking for. But the one the one he goes with his foot, I'm just I'm I'm crying for him just to be going with his head the whole time in that one. I feel as if he, if he decides early that he's going with his head. That's the, he's. He, he's no even lose breaking stride, and he's just nodding that into the into the net. I it's, it's just I, I I suppose we've created chances. We've no got. I mean, I, I would never have guessed that Cal McGregor would have scored. Was that that was his first goal for Scotland? Nearly fifty caps or something. Like I never would have guessed that he would be the one that would have uh, 
would have scored the goals. And that, that is a problem. We've no really got anybody. Even when we played against uh, was a Luxembourg, they're down to 10 men. We still can't put three or four past them. Like, they were down to 10 men for, for an hour. You know, we just, we, we, although we create chances, they didn't seem to be like guilt-edged, clear-cut chances that we're creating. So we're saying we're creating chances, but, you know, they're no... The, the thing, is, the thing is, Kenny. I mean, when was the, I was chatting to mates about it, I mean, in my lifetime of watching Scotland, I can never remember us really scoring more than one goal in a big game against someone who's decent ever. Like the last time I could kind of think was like Sweden, in whatever it was, Euro seventy-two or something nonsense. Um, I just, I, I, I don't think we ever have, and. Just because we've never, we've never really had a good enough striker. I mean, what? for me, for me, for me, Dykes isn't good. Dykes isn't good. Enough. Mo Johnston. I mean, that's how right. far you have to go back. Dykes for me isn't good enough at this level. He's not. No, I mean, he's not because he he doesn't. He do, I don't think he would worry defenders. He's just a big lump and no. fair play. I mean, he absolutely worked his arse off, but he's just not got the quality. He really doesn't. So. I mean, going forward, I, I think you, for me, I mean, it's, oh, it's obviously Adams, but if you're doing two up front, you've got to look at something different because, like we said last time, it's too far too easy just to lump balls at him. If, and he's just go- he's not good enough. If we're going two up front, I mean, it's, it's one of, you know, there's some, you can say like, oh, this player hasn't played well or he's not good enough. And if there's someone else, if there's an obvious guy to bring in, like if you look at O'Donnell, you can say we should be playing Patterson and that's fair enough. With Dykes, I don't think there's someone behind them, and I think that's... Only make Barney? <sighs> no, thanks. Um, but, I mean, I, I would consider, I mean, you're talking about team for the future, whether it's next World Cup, next Euros, whatever, and I, I, I would go back to a one up front, probably. I would try more in midfield, but and part of that's because, you know, I'm playing Adams, but I don't think we have another striker who's good enough to justify getting into the team ahead of our midfielder, really. How many, and, how many teams? How many teams are playing more than one up front in international? Yeah, football? not many, not many. I mean, so few, so yeah. few. They'll play the sort of main focal point and two quick boys yeah. off them or whatever. But as as an actual centre forward, not almost nobody plays with two. But I think that's maybe where Graham Soonis was having. He had a big rant about sort of stuck in the dark ages of how we play football, and I think it was over the top, but. The sort of basis of it, he's got a point in terms of, yeah. I mean, why are we playing two up top? I don't get that. In modern football, you need the ball, you need to dominate possession, or at least give that a wee good go. And the fact that the fact that he couldn't see that yesterday worried me because that it just looked so obvious. You had to do something about the fact that we just couldn't get the ball, yeah. anything. But to not change, to just do a like for likes and chuck guys on, and it's. It's meaningless. It's a massive game and, and there was no bravery from the management. I mean, there's boys in there that you probably would have liked to maybe seen get minutes. And I mean, Turnbull for me at Celtic would have been one that I'd have liked to have seen potentially as a, as a replacement for Armstrong um, in the second half. Because I think he gives you a similar to Armstrong in terms of he'll, he'll, he'll look to play the ball forward and he'll look to bring players into play. And I was a bit disappointed that he didn't get any game time. I think I think the sorry I think the I think the Holland friendly might have made his mind up about him. Like he was quite nice with his touches, but he he just looked so naive positionally, and he, I just don't think he wants to take a risk on him. I think I think he's definitely one for the future, but I, that that even watched it for me. I, I don't know much about this game, but it, it, he worried me where he was trying to do the certain things, and it's. It's, it's so difficult taking risks as a manager because it's just going to fall on your head and people yeah. are going to moan. I mean, it's one of those things I think you'll always be damned if you do, you'll be damned if you don't as a manager. But what we're going to do is, is I'm going to bring to you the future teams that I'd seen earlier on um, on PLZ Soccer um, that Tam McManus is involved in. So can you all see that? Yeah. Yeah. So here are the two teams that... Um, they've come up with. So 
I mean, really, there's a couple of names in there that I was quite surprised at. The boy Porteous at Hibs, I've never seen enough of him, really, that I thought that he was a, had the chance to be an international defender. Even the boy McKenna, I don't rate very highly, personally. Apart from that, I mean, probably Peter's team's the best of the two, um, with Adams and Nisbet, and then you've got McGregor, Gilmore and McGinn. The one that surprised me about his, though, is, is the fact that he doesn't have Scott McTominay in it, who... Yeah, how old does how old does he think Scott McTominay is? I mean, yeah, because I mean McTominay's like twenty three, maybe twenty four. He's, he's younger than Tierney and Robertson. Yeah, I, I I literally just looked at that team, saw his name wasn't in it, and stopped looking at it. That's absolutely cool. Yeah. Agreed, agreed, absolutely cool. Yeah, and then the guy gave one Burnley up front. McKenna, oh, I mean his his first involvement yesterday was hilarious when he. Went for a tackle, missed the ball, and got a boot straight away. Um, I don't. I wouldn't think he's the future. Right? He's getting on a wee bit. Those, um, those teams are not good. No, nah, I agree. Unless, unless, unless. I mean, hopefully, we're not playing that formation. I mean, the same formation we've been playing. We need to move away from it. So, who's, who's Kelly? Who is Kelly? Liam, Liam Kelly. Kelly. Who? Levy. Exactly. He was at his fight a bloody couple of years ago. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, he's at Livingston now. I think. Xander Clark must be 30. Is he? 29 30? Yeah. Late 20s. Because he was a teammate of mine at St. Johnston. He was a young boy at St. Johnston when I was there. I think he's like 28, 29 or something like that. Right, I think. Something like that. But what I would say is that I was actually, and I said this to my mates, and I might get slaughtered for this, but I was disappointed that uh, he didn't take Ollie Buck in the squad. No, no as a starter, but he has something that no other player that we've got has, and that's pace. Two FP. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm oh, gonna, he, I'm gonna interject there, Kenny. I'm gonna interject. Do you remember? There isn't do you remember? anybody on a par with him that in, in in our squad? And as a like last 15, 15 minute for something different to to rumble them up. I feel as if he, that that he 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 should be in our squad. I'm gonna I'm gonna slag you off. <laughs> I, I think Ollie Burke's the most overrated player to have played for Scotland in decades. He is absolutely rapid and awful. He can't cross a ball. He can't shoot. He's the transfer money he's received is almost embarrassing. That clubs have spent on him, and he's been awful at every one of them. I, I think. I hear you, but he's quick and it can unsettle teams, but I don't think they'd be that unsettled when he runs through and goal and skies over a bar and trips over his feet. I, I think he's awful. I'm a, I might, he might disagree, but I think he's awful. He's no worse than what he's no worse than what we've got in that squad. He definitely is. <laughs> well, there you go. And just just because I never had the chance to actually tell our listeners what these teams were, because I realised I just shared it to the screen with you guys, I'll just go through it. So... Peters was Xander Clark, Ryan Portis, uh, the boy McKenna, Tierney, Robertson, Patterson, McGregor, Gilmore, McGinn, Adams, and Nisbet. The guy Gabriel's was Kelly, Portis, McKenna, Tierney, Robertson, Patterson, McTominay, Gilmore, McGinn, Adams, and McBurney. And the reason that I wanted to, to share those teams with you is over the last few days, all I've heard is, you know, the future's bright, we've got a young nucleus, a team, and, and there's, there's aspects of that I take. But there's nobody coming in, in my opinion, in the positions that we need. In, in the positions where no. it would actually make a difference for us to be better, there is no one. And there will be nobody that tells me Ollie McBurney's a good footballer, right? Absolutely nobody. The guy is better at beating up people in the streets than he is as a striker. I can tell you that for free. Um, but, I mean... We have lacked, and I said this in the last show, we've lacked a striker for so long, like so, so long. And I mean, there's not even anybody that you hear whispers coming through. We're really hoping that somebody comes up with a Scottish granny again. And and how and and how long do we go on like that? But but there's but if you know if it's a club side, there's something you can do about it. As as a national side, there is absolutely nothing you can do. You know, we need the positions for me is goalkeeper, centre-half, striker. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think 
you know, you're properly scraping the barrel when you're looking at, I was looking at the under-21 squad and we've got um, some goalkeeper at Man City who's 18 and you're like, well, you know, hopefully three or four or five years, he's good. You know, I can't, there isn't really somebody that you're really kind of excited about or has a huge amount of potential at centre half or forward. Um, but, you know, there's no much you can do about it. Um I mean, a troll for people with Scottish grannies in those positions, let's do it, I think. I mean, if you can get someone like that, you get them. Um, I don't, I don't, there's not a long line of people who are obvious replacements for what we have. Um, I, th- I mean, I think Hanley, you know, Han- Hanley, he's 29, you know, but I think he, he, he can go for a, a few good, a few years. And I think he had a good tournament. Um, yeah. I think he's, gone up in a lot of people's estimation and for me you know there was a lot of centre halves who we were saying before the tournament were you know about the same doesn't really make a difference for me he's kind of pinned on you know first first name at the back it's him and someone else well hopefully hopefully we'll go back to playing the four at the back but um apart from that there's not much I think there is a new I mean there is a nucleus of sort of semi-decent players there I mean you know from now on, Tierney, Robertson, Gilmore, I'd even say Patterson, why not? As long as he's getting some form of game time for Rangers. McGinn, Adams, they should be first in every single team. That should be, they should be in the team yeah. every time. Yeah. And then you try and build it around it. The striker thing has always been an issue, but my thing would be if, you're, if you've got average strikers, why are we playing two of them? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if you've, if you've got... I struggle in a position. You need to find a different way to score goals, and I think by having it's it's that sort of lack of creativity or lack of whether it's tactical sort of now or not. I don't know, but you need yeah. Just I think that there, there's hope there, but we're we're all, we've always been pretty average. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, like even your guys like McGinn and stuff. I mean, McGinn's a, a good player, but he's no brilliant. You know, he, he he's. He's a hard worker. He's, he's infectious on the eye. So he looks because he's, you know, robust and he gets stuck in and he's puts his bum in the way. And uh, he's very good. But I, I don't I don't see like a man you and stuff spending 50 million quid on him. I just don't see him as being that good. But he, he's decent and he'll obviously play for Scotland. I just mm. we're just a average team. We always have been. It's not going to change dramatically anything soon. If you look at the positions that were strong and the positions that were weak, positions were strong, full-backs. I mean, fucking hell, got way too many left-backs. But with Patterson coming through, at least it looks a bit balanced. Midfield, our midfield's good. We've got options there and we've got good players there. So, to me, I was thinking about it. You know, if you play a, a 4-2-3-1, it's not a radical formation. Most teams probably play it. You're maximising your midfielders and full-backs. You know, you're yeah. playing one, one centre-half, uh, two centre-halves, one striker. Whereas we seem to be playing a position that maximises centre-backs and forwards. I said, why are, why are we doing that when, you know, bite the bullet and, and play Robertson in midfield? Do it. You know, play him on, on the left of an attacking midfield three. We're basically asking him to do that anyway. To me, that, that's, what, that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to recognise where we're strong, where we're weak. And kind of maximise that strength and sort of downplay that weakness a little bit. And we just have to accept we're not going to have a world class forward. We're we're going to have someone that you know gets the odd goal, works hard, and we try and get midfielders further up and a bit more involved. But that's what we have to do. The other thing that you could say is: Do we just be brave and just pick Tierney or Robertson? No. Instead of shoehorning players into positions that they don't need them. No. You you just ask one of them to play a slightly different position. You know, you, you just do it. To me, um, Robertson can play, you know, if you're talking about a 4-2-3-1 and the left-hand side of the three, Robertson can play that easily. Play Tierney at left-back, play Robertson up there. Um, I think, you know, what you lose by not having Robertson in his optimal position is less than what we lose by having to play a 5-3-2, 3-5-2 just to get them playing. You know, 
at the moment, neither of them play in their optimal position. Put one of them in their best position and and get Robertson to play something slightly different because he's good enough to do it. What's your thoughts on that, Kenny? Well, I mean, like the, if you look at Germany, they, they, uh, they do things like, well, Kimmich was a full-back, but he plays centre-mid. Uh, Philip Lamb, same. Full-back, moves him into centre-mid. They, they, they didn't... If they're good players, they're good players. So you play them where it's going to be best for, for the team. I, I, I'm worried about what players going through, and I think we maybe touched on it in a, like maybe in the first uh, the first one that we did. We need to kind of try something different. So like what I maybe said before was, if you've got a guy like a kid who's 18 and he's at Man City, right? And he's good enough to be at Man City. We need to, like, take a risk because what we're doing now hasn't worked for 23 years. It's never worked because we've never got to a group stage. So do we play a bit of a long game and go, right, well, if we've got these these kids that are at top, top teams, do we, like, put our confidence in them, play them in our senior squad, in our senior team, have them in the senior squad every time? I mean, you've got to be better having that 18-year-old in the senior squad saying this is the guy for the future better than is it John McLaughlin? John McLaughlin. It's going to be better than better than that. And saying to his club, we see him as going to the top level and being our goalkeeper for the future or our centre half for the future. And you 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 you, you didn't say oh he's too young because the likes say Wales did like Ampadu. I mean, all right, he's maybe not been any great shakes, but, but they're getting to the later stages of major competitions. And they're playing players that you're like, I've never heard of him. Who does he play for? It's because they're playing international football before they're playing regular club football. I didn't yeah. even feel as if Scotland have ever done that. And it's no, like, well, if very slow. playing a shite Scotland team, then they're not good enough to ever get a game for Man City. But if they're, if, if they're getting international then another team, maybe in the championship, are going to look at that boy at Man City and go, oh, well, he's a Scotland international. We're going to give him game time in the championship. And then he gets game experience, blah, blah, blah. If you've got kids that are only playing, they're not going to develop. If they're no quite Man City, like first team standard, but they've never played anywhere else, nobody's seen them play international for Scotland. If they play international for Scotland, they might get a better team just a wee bit below Man City and then become a regular. And then they've got much better chance of development. We need to start putting our neck on the line a wee bit, confidence in these young players that have clearly got the talent uh, when, they're, when they're younger. And we've just got to put some confidence in them and start to you know take a risk because the way playing it safe is definitely not working. No, I mean, your, your point there that you made on Wales, I actually had that written down when you started saying that about bringing younger players into the team. I mean, I, I've got the Wales squad up here, right? They've got Nico Williams, um, who doesn't play regularly for Liverpool. You've got uh, Dylan Levitt, who's at Man United, and it's not like he's in the Man United squad. Um, and I, I think that they, they, they're playing the, the young lad from Liverpool um, when he was like 16, 17, and giving him... Uh, the striker, I can't, for life, his, his name's escaped me. Um, but, I mean, they're doing that and they're getting success from it and you're absolutely 100% bang on. Like, what's that, 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 that old quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Different result, aye. And, and that's, like, that's he, essentially something. I mentioned them before, Jack Harper. He, he had yeah. the record number of goals for... Like a, a Real Madrid youth player goal scorer or something like that. Why was why would we know just have him in the squad first? I know his career has hit a bump. It was Brighton and it didn't really work out. But like if he's playing played a few international games, that club stuff could all be different, you know. And he clearly knows how he scored a goal. The boy. I, I think I think you're bang on, Kenny. I think any time, any time. We've got a sort of kid, and I'm, I'm not talking 15-year-old kid, I'm, you know, 18, 19, 20, even 21, that's playing 
a potentially very good level, even if it's in reserves. Like the guy was at Real Madrid reserves. Look, his career hasn't gone very well, but who knows if he'd been getting a few games for Scotland and his career might have gone completely different direction because the confidence that will give a young kid is massive. And I think like the news that Gilmore's maybe going to Norwich for the season is great because it means that he's going to play almost every game. So it's like, right, suddenly you've now got this. I, I, I get like Clark's problem a little bit, obviously, is the fact that like you're chucking a guy, Patterson, in who's not, you know, eight games and Gilmore who's not played a lot. And I get that as a, but it's so, it's such a negative, typical Scottish way of like, who, the whole, you know, old enough, if you're good enough, you're old enough, all that sort of stuff. I mean, you, you, we, we all saw Gilmore playing against Liverpool for Chelsea. And even that one game, you'd go, right, he's starting for Scotland next week. Or, you know, next game. Because we don't have an abundance of exciting young talent. So anyone, just get them in, get them in the squad. And I mean, even if you play we, them against we, San Marino, just, you know, a game that have, you're going to win... It gives them confidence, complete confidence. We had how many Nations League games did we have between that Liverpool game from from Gilmore and his international start? And we didn't we didn't bring him in for any of them. We have I agree, I'm a hundred percent agreeing on this. We've got to do much more of this. Right. He, um, he, he won he won the breakthrough he, he won the breakthrough talent of the two on tournament at sixteen in an under twenty one tournament. At sixteen. So you know, eighteen. Why? Why would you think he's suddenly not ready? I mean, it's yeah. Well, it's this this thing. You've got to be twenty five before we'll, you know, before, before we'll stick you in because of experience. But you know, experience is more like, you know, just turning up just doesn't give you experience. Like you know, if he's but Clark's line as well. You know, these boys haven't. They've never let me down. Well, they've not. They've no. What's the opposite? Of letting, either. What's the opposite of letting you down? Exactly. I mean. Yeah, like kind of. I mean, our, our, we've not been we've been limp we've limped into this tournament as a yeah. fairly average side. I mean, I, I I at no point thought we would qualify. If I'm being totally honest, um, just because we're not we're not that great. So if you've got some kids that are good, you ha- just play them. I we mean, might not get the experience again, but it could be huge for their careers. The guy that I'm going to mention here, I mean, he's not a kid anymore, but you, you'll still think of him a kid. I mean, Ryan Gold might as well just tell Steve Clark to fuck off if he ever calls a game again, because he's had the season of his career in a significantly better league than the, the SPL or whatever the hell it's called now, and didn't get into the team. And I mean, some of yeah. the big teams in Europe are looking at him for, for how well he's played. I mean, they're talking about to Porto, and he can't get into a Scotland squad where a Declan Gallagher or, or somebody like that that's going to add it's next to nothing. It's, it's, it's another typical Scottish thing. If you're not playing in Scotland or England, yeah. It seems I, I like we didn't even think thing. I, I just think that was the position he plays in. I even think, in I this... think Clark felt we had you know, quite a lot in that position, which we probably did. But um, It's not yeah. a weak but position no, no, for I, us. He should, he, should have, he should be in the squad. I mean, there's no... No doubt about it. Again, we don't have a lot of super talented young kids to get them in. But, but it's trying them, you know, how many games, you know, the Nations League, again, it's it's not as important, I guess. You know, you'll still get slagged if you, if you don't do very well, but there's an opportunity. Why not try gold out in one of these games? Like, give him a cap, see how he gets on. Um, we had all these opportunities, all these games, and we just keep playing the same guys over and over. I don't see what we're, we're getting out of that. The Nations League is our only hope of qualifying for things. Yeah, but but, but you but you don't but, but but this the Nations League past didn't give you that same playoff. Mm. Um, but you know you again you talk you're just talking about even a game or two here or there. Um, you know there's there's loads of opportunity for it, and we we have to do we have to do more of it. Ryan Gold to Portugal because it'll be naturalised in Portugal and then he'll end up in the Portugal team. That'd be that. That'd be, it would, just like it. It would be Ronaldo's replacement in the Portugal aye, team. Aye. But, but Kenny, your your point earlier was it was almost like you're actually talking about Ryan Gold because when he was at Dundee United, he was unbelievable. Yeah. he came through as an 18 year old kid. Yeah. I mean, him Armstrong, Guy McKay, Stephen, and whoever all said he was a why? Why yeah. wasn't he then getting in I the know. Scotland club? And especially when he gets to move to Sporting Sporting Lisbon. That's exactly the other, the other thing I was going to say is see if you've got like kids that are like 
at these top teams. And it's happened against us a few times. But it's like, if they've got a Scottish granny, let's put our eggs in that basket and go, yeah. mate, we want you, we want you as part of every squad, um, and then try it, and then what's the worst going to happen? Huh? You know? Ireland, Ireland did it to us. Good. McGee Day, McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, because Scotland are like, we're not picking you for under whatever teams. Aye, Ireland gamble, are just like, oh, in you come. You know, if if you don't if you don't turn out to be that good a player, we've lost nothing. If you turn out to be good enough to play internationals, we've just got you. Whereas we are so slow on the uptake with everything. Aye. Right. So what I'm going to ask you to do is... Pick your player of the tournament, and then we're going to talk briefly about our upcoming games, how that would look, and then we'll we'll wrap up for the evening. So, Doug, I'm going to come to you first. You, you've made a face that you, you you don't think you were ready for this. No, no, I'm, I'm born ready. This is a Scotland's player of the tournament. Well, I mean, we played three games. I'm, I'm also laughing. I'm also laughing. It was last Monday was our first. It's been like eight days, and we're done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, my player of the tournament. Shit. Oh, um, I can't say Billy Gilmore because he didn't play for very long, but it probably is. Uh, I, I could pitch you who I've got written down and see if you leave any names. I mean, okay. I've said Robertson, Tierney, Hanley, or McTominay are the four names that I've got written down. Yeah, I can't. Do, I'll go for I'll go for Grant Hanley. There you go. Never thought Kenny. I'd say that at the end of the tournament. Or, Kenny? McTominay, for me. That's a no-brainer. I think he's uh, your best player. Um, I'm, I, like Tierney, Tierney and Robertson, great. But McTominay, he's, he, he, he just, he's so versatile. Physically, he's, he's up there. He's world-class physically. Uh, he's, he's, your, he's your best player. The team, the team should really be built around him, him and Gilmore, really. For me, anyway. Yeah. Gordo? Uh, I mean, you know, if, I'd say, I would say Gilmore, like, but, you know, you kind of give him that because he only played one game, but he was fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the three I'm thinking of are Robertson, Hanley and McTominay. Um, I'll even it out. I'll give it to Robertson. Um, I don't think there was too much to pick between those three. All very solid every uh, game. I actually thought Robertson came of age in this tournament in many ways for Scotland because I've never thought he's been that great for Scotland and I think when we were talking ages ago about who do you play, him or Tierney at left-back, I was kind of more in the, well, it's got to be Tierney at left-back. I thought Robertson was, I thought he was really good this tournament. Proper captain's kind of performance. Yeah, yeah. Really comes across as a good captain, I think. Yeah, Um, and you could see the way that he is with the players. Like, I liked watching how he interacted with other players, um, the Scotland players, even when they were getting subbed off. You know, he was in there when he was in his post-match interview. He he really epitomised I think that the captain's performance across the tournament, but I'm not picking him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pick Hanley purely because I absolutely berated him at every opportunity. Didn't think he was good enough. Didn't think he was the right type of player for us. Um, and, you know, maybe it was at fault for a goal against Czech Republic. You know, I, I get it. But for me, I thought, I thought he, he just, he battled for us and, when he went off yesterday, I just put my head in my hands and I was like, that's it. Versus previous expectations going in, it's Hanley. You know, I think the, the, the guy that's kind of played above people's general expectations, I, to the point where you're looking at it now going like, oh no, we're, we've not got Hanley anymore. Yeah. You know, in, in three games, that's he's kind of grown into that, definitely. So that wraps up the Euros. Um, for us before we go I'm going to show you our future games that we've got coming up and hopefully this won't depress you too much so upcoming futures um, upcoming futures upcoming fixtures um, our next um, game is against Denmark away Denmark who have been pretty good apart from the, the first game that they lost away um, to, the, to the group leaders then Moldova at home on the, the 4th of September then Austria um, away on the 7th of September so in the space of a week three games that probably really shape how it's going to look yeah 
we'll know. Well, I mean, you know, we'll we'll know where we are after that Austria game, anyway. Yeah. So I'll show you the the table as it stands. I think on I think on paper it just looks tough. I really do. I thought Denmark were very impressive the other day against Russia. Yeah, Austria did very well to beat Ukraine as well. Yeah. So if we have a look at that, we're currently sitting second in our group with five points from three games. I win and two draws. So we've not lost yet, yet being the operative word. But really, from those three fixtures, we probably need four points. I would say seven. You think so? Yeah. Oh, we we need we now need to beat one of Denmark or Austria away. Yeah, we've we already drawn with Austria at home. Yeah, I would and say we need we need Israel. to beat them. We need to beat them away or make up for it by beating Denmark. I think. I mean, have a look at Denmark, right? Before you go in there, Doug. Mm-hmm. Three wins, fourteen goals, zero against. Can you see us getting anything against Denmark? Not even. But I, I think I think that's my thing. Is that I just. I try not to think of myself as being pessimistic as opposed to just being more a realist. Which I just don't think we're... They're a level above us, for me, definitely, Denmark. And yeah. probably probably Austria. In fact, of course, definitely Austria are a level above us. So it's hard, it's hard to go to these places and get... We might sneak a draw, you know, the way we set up in that kind of negative way, but... A point in Denmark... Helm, we're not going to be, out, you know, outgoing and trying to win games with great football and... If Clark's your man, then just I just don't see it. Don't see it at all. I mean, if you, if you can go if you can go to England and get a point, you can go to Denmark and get a point. It's you know are are they going to be favourites to beat us? Absolutely, but you know a point in Denmark would be a decent result, and we we can go and do it. But we need to be at the top of what we can go and do. Um, you know, go go and play like we did at Wembley. We can we can get something to that game. It's just you know we're we're not that is not going to be our average performance level really. Um, no, put Gilmore and McTominay in the middle. Kenny, you're awful quiet there. I mean, see if you look, see when you look at those teams, I, I I think we can win like any one of those games. I mean, Denmark had a I think Denmark had a a good performance. Uh, against Russia, but Russia were brutal. Russia spanked us. It was almost, it was almost like Russia had bet against themselves, to be honest. But I mean, Denmark, Denmark, they, they, they're unlikely to have Christian Eriksen, and he is a massive. Like, I don't know how many goals he scored to uh, and assisted to get them to the to the Euros themselves. So I think they're a different proposition without Eriksen. I, I agree with the guys, though. I think seven points is the minimum that we uh, need. But I could very well see Scotland beating Denmark, Austria and uh, Israel and then losing to Moldova. That, that's the, that's the, that is the level of confidence. <laughs> I, I, like, I feel as if we snooker, we didn't do badly a lot of time against the better teams. And then we... we fuck ourselves with a, a, a loss against or a draw against the Pharaohs or blooming Georgia uh, Kazakhstan or, or whatever and, and the, the, there's no coming back to that I think the in the commentary I remember the just before Ericsson had his heart attack they were actually the commentators were talking about how in the Danes eyes they actually wonder whether they almost play better when he's not in the team because they can, I think it's their wee winger that can play, and or someone else can fill in. So I don't know whether I'm not saying you know what happened to him is going to help them, but it, you know that's what they were saying. So I don't know if him being out is going to make a huge, huge difference. I think I, I think a Scotland fan, player in their team that really gives you the fear, is there? Like when you look at Croatia, you're thinking, oh shit, Perisic, eh, Modric, and Kovacic. You're like they are. They are really world-class players. I'm looking at Denmark, no. and I'm like, Denmark aren't like that. No, they're just—they've got, you know, they're just solid. They've got good players everywhere. They don't have standouts to me. Aye, they're a good I, team. I think, I think for me, going forward, I just put put a young team out in the pitch that we can be proud of. Represent Scotland 
it'll lower our expectations anyway, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. And try and just play a, a nice brand of football that we can that we can go into Scotland games going. I'm quite looking forward to this without overly stressing maybe about whether we're definitely going to win or. But the bigger picture is that we need to be beating these teams like your Austrias, like your Denmarks. We need to be beating them so that we can improve our a, a ranking so that we we maybe didn't qualify out of this group, but if we finish second, then we maybe get in a better pot for future competitions that we're no playing against teams that are ranked, like two or three teams that are ranked higher than us. We're only playing against team like one or two teams that are ranked higher than us in our group, and then we keep That's winning, classic. and, and yeah. you've got an easier group type thing. But I think, I think we've, we've been saying that for a long time, though. We need to balance those two things up. I mean, we can't use, you know, we can't use the rest of the World Cup qualifiers as basically experimenting. No, we, we could take the view of we've actually already fucked the World Cup qualifying. So let's just throw in all these young guys. But you have to balance it up a bit. I mean, you can't just completely write them off because we could go down to pot four or whatever. But I think, you know, you need to... You need to keep getting results because you don't want to drop down a pot. But at the same time, maybe what we should be doing is saying, right, next World Cup, you know, the aim for this team is next Euros. So we want to be introducing guys, you know, if there's guys that aren't going to be playing next Euros or guys that aren't really good enough and there's young guys that potentially are, let's get them in the team. You know, let's give Patterson a run of games. Let's give Gilmore a run of games. You know, if you want to call in this 18-year-old goalkeeper for Man City and cap him against Faroe Islands, let's do it. You know, no go mental, but also just get a few of them in, I think, and try a few couple of different things. We've had, we've had cases before where we've tried to bring players in like that they're over 30 when they're making their first cap. Now, like, I feel great for these guys that are getting a cap and, you know, um, have probably wanted a cap their whole their whole career, but it doesn't really do anything for the future development. I mean, Andy Considine came in, did a job, helped us get us there. So it's not the same, but previously we've called in guys like Callum Davidson came back in for the cold one time. Stevie Hamill got called up one time. Like, I mean, why are we not calling up a young, a, a younger, a younger boy? Like, like I, that, that, it, that was, that was a killer for me. Things like that. When like, you know, uh, call up somebody that is going to benefit for personally, but also have the potential to give us something in the future. Yeah. I'm going to ask, and it was just a name that came into my head there, right? He's, he's just captained his team to a domestic cup double, and, and Jason Kerr doesn't seem to get a mention. Well, yeah, he's, he's someone I do think about. I mean, I think he's still only 24. He's obviously... I haven't seen very much of him this season, but you know when he played when he played at East Fife, I always thought you know when he was young then, I always thought uh, he is absolutely class. He he can be a player that gets to that level. He seems to be playing well for St Johnston. I know you feel like centre halves always mature a little bit later, and so he's still young, but he's a guy that um, you know, and and unless world class centre halves start appearing all over the place, he's someone I would I would consider as well. Definitely, he's got everything you need for that. I mean, Gary, when we interviewed Gary Naismith for the show, um, he said he's a hundred percent a future Scotland cap. You know, that's what he said. He's like, he's like, he's like, I genuinely believe he'll be a future Scotland cap. But my only concern is, is would you respect? I know St Johnson have won the cup double, but if he was better, he would probably be about a better club. Uh, there's never, there's never been a even decent footballer that's ever played for St Johnson. That's a fact. Um, no, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Jason Kerr is a good shot. I've said it before in the pod. I, I remember watching him at East Fife and turning to my mate and say he'll be the first player that's played for East Fife that gets transferred for over a million quid. I think I think he will at some point. I think he's a great. One. Yeah, definitely. That that was just a, a, like you know we're talking about Ryan Porteous and I think Jason Kerr's a better player than Ryan Porteous for me. Um, you know, it's just because he's not a, a probably a trendy club. Um, that he, he maybe doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Do you know anything about Jason Kerr, Kenny? No. The the pro, but what I would say about um, that kind of scenario is that it's it's difficult for players like that because 
for them to move up the level, teams are having to take a risk and say, right, he's never played at this level, but we are going to spend money because the team that he's with didn't want to let him go for nothing. So they end up in this scenario where you've got to get somebody that's going to take that risk to spend money on a player that is, an actual, is actually a risk. So they're sticking their neck on the line to take this boy. It's not that common that you get guys like Andy Robertson. I mean, Andy Robertson is where he is because he was signed for Liverpool as a backup left back. He wasn't. He, he was. He was like. He ended up being like a cheap option for as a backup left back. But he got in the team and they 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 he became undroppable uh, when he got in the team. So it's it's no as common. It's normally like say players start at a higher level with a team and then the youth teams and then they drop to find a level because teams are only taking risks on these players because they're not costing anything and they've been training at that higher level. So the problem for Jason Kerr is how quickly can he get to that level and he's got to avoid injury. You know, he's got to uh, hit the ground running at whatever club he goes to and how long is it going to take before a team says, right, we are prepared to take the risk on him? That's the problem. What age is he going to be at that point before he starts playing at that higher level? So if the, it's, it's going back to what we were saying before. If the Scotland manager's looking at him and going, he's got right good potential, we want to get him playing with a better club, we've got to play him for Scotland. You know, yeah. you've got to take that risk first to yeah. push him push him up the thought, say, other people like, oh, well, it's not a risk now. He's a, he's a regular in the Scotland uh, Scotland team. He must be worth a punt. I think even, yeah. De- even Declan Gallagher's, the fact that, you know, he's played, been playing well for Motherwell, and I know it's only Aberdeen, but I reckon it's on the back of his very good performances for Scotland that he suddenly got, you know, got his move to Aberdeen more than necessarily playing well for Motherwell. No, yeah. I totally agree. Just give yeah. him a go. But he's too old. He's too old to get a better move, though. So, like, I know. like mm. Donald, you would have thought that he would have got a better team than Motherwell. He's playing regularly for Scotland, but his age is stopping him from getting that move because he's close to 30. So that's the problem with Jason Kerr. The longer it goes, it's like they're, they're not even getting potential. He's supposed to be hitting his peak, where he's, he's probably not hitting his peak because he's not being challenged week in, week out to develop and, and, and improve. So he's probably still got a lot more improvement to go and is capable of the improvement. But he, is he going to get the chance for that? Because he, he, I know he's only 24, but it's when they take the risk. So if he's 27 by the time he is like a free transfer and gets to a better team, like, is he going to get to that proper level that you want him to get to? Do you know? Can, can I just very quickly say something, Lee? Yeah, uh, for all our listeners, and as we're doing this, as it stands, England are playing fucking hungry. Can you believe that? And that group I can, of death. I can totally believe that because that's that's just that that's just their luck. They're, they're, they, they 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 go to the World Cup semi final and they never played anybody good. Uh, so who who's going through in that group then? Uh, France and Hungary, as it stands. Germany third, Portugal bottom. Keepers. That's that's very typical, man. Jesus Christ. Well, on that very sombre note, gentlemen, <laughs> um, I just wanted to say it's, it's been a pleasure doing the, covering the Scotland games with you. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking about uh, international football for a change rather than, than just these five. Kenny, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, you've behaved yourself pretty well on the most part and, and not being abusive to, to many of our, our, our well I say many to any of us which I think has probably been more of a surprise than, than the fact that Scotland actually managed to get a point in a goal in the tournament but um, yeah has anybody got anything else that they're wanting to add before we wrap up our Euros extravaganza uh, for me it's just to say that I look forward to doing this again in 2044 hmm. Covid will finally be over by then as well so <laughs> might actually get to a game don't really have too much to add, but you know, hopefully, well, yeah, hopefully it's not now. Twenty-three years, hopefully, maybe not the next World Cup, but next Euros, it becomes normal. Yeah, twenty-three years from now, I'll be fifty-five. So I really hope that that's not the case, Kenny. Uh, I think we just need to set a date for the four of us to actually get together in person and have a few pints at the pub and talk about this shit. 
Because 100%. like what been happening in the last eighteen months and having to do everything online, and it's great that other folk can like hear what we're happening. But you know, I've had a great time just having a laugh with you guys and like talking about things and bantering off each other. And uh, I we should uh, when when it's allowed and all right, we should be like high fiving and watching the the Euro, like maybe a qualifier in the pub having a few beers. Well, why don't we try and get to the Moldova game at home? If, if there's tickets available, we could get up and go oh, to that that's one. That's the one we're going to lose, remember? I suppose. Well, maybe try and get tickets for the Denmark game at home or, or Austria or something. Or even so, Kenny, if, if you can make it through to, to Bayview, I know that you managed to make it a couple of times last season. Um, hopefully we could maybe do a hospitality there or something like that and I'll have a good few pints and watch the five. Sounds good. Sounds good. Perfect. Well, thank you so much to, to all of our listeners that, for, for listening to us um, in the, the last, well, the last week, really. You've got a lot of podcasts to catch up on um, and we'll be bringing to you all your, your East Fife stuff in the, in the coming weeks and, as well. Um, what are we going to do for a striker? We've just let Mark McGuigan go after he signed for us for two weeks. So we'll be interested to see what happens and then and hopefully we could bring some more interviews to you in the, the coming weeks as well. But until then, Take care, stay safe, and come on, Scotland. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.